Hello, everyone. Welcome to our session today. My name is Angie Winchell. I am COO of Almanac, and I'm here today with Neosha Franklin, who is the Marketing and Communications Manager of the St. Louis Community Foundation. Our chat today is entitled On the Road to Equity, How a New Brand Helped Kickstart and Historic Community Foundation's Transformation. Now that might be a little bit different than what you saw um, on the schedule, and there's a bit of a story behind that. When we first um, proposed this idea to um, the ComNet folks, uh, way back in February, um, which feels like 20 years ago now, we thought this would be great to take everyone through um, just a nice conversation about how this um, community foundation was rebranded. So that was February. Um, then March happened, um, and then the rest of 2020 happened and had a bit of a different plan for us. So what we wanna do today is still take you through that branding process in a little bit more of a streamlined version, um, and then give everyone a chance to hear, from, hear more from Neosha about the work that the foundation has been doing since the rebrand um, and about how that work, that initial work, um, really sort of pointed the, the community foundation in this direction. So let's get started. So what we're gonna be going over today, um, just a little bit of background. Um, we are also going to be talking about um, the branding process and spoiler alert, we did change the logo. So we'll be showing you that. <laughs> um, there is um, a bit of a process to talk about, um, the process of the brand, as well as the process that the um, foundation is going through in their shift. Um, then we're going to talk about really how to build support for a change like this um, and what does the brand look like in action and then some key takeaways and we will have time for Q&A. So if you have a question, please drop it in the Q&A um, in the Zoom uh, meeting and we'll get to those at the end. All right, so um, just a little background on Almanac before Neosha takes over. Um, we are a branding and website design firm. We were founded 11 years ago here in St. Louis, um, and we have the privilege of working with mostly purpose-driven organizations. So lots of organizations like the Community Foundation. We get to work with lots of great folks like Neosha. And on to you. Awesome. Thank you all for having me. I'm Neosha Franklin. I'm the Marketing Communications Manager, as Angie mentioned at the beginning of this session. I've been at the Community Foundation for six years um, in various capacities, but recently um, took on basically um, starting the, the only marketing department of the foundation in, uh, since we've been in existence. So I'm excited about that. So just to give you a little bit of background information about the Community Foundation, we were founded in 1915 um, and we are the home of over 700 plus donor funds. We work with donors who um, basically wanna give back to the community. We work with um, donors who have their charitable wishes. We work with them through funds. Everything we do is through a fund. We work with them um, via donor advised funds, scholarship funds, um, legacy funds, um, all of those types of different funds to be able to help donors in their charitable goals. We are the second fastest growing community foundation in the, in the United States in 2015 and 2019. Um, we have over $500 million in assets and we actually um, granted over $101 million through 6,495 individual grants to nonprofits um, in the last uh, five years. Um, I'm sorry, in the last year. Um, and over the last five years, we've granted $383 million uh, throughout uh, the St. Louis region and across the United States. We also host our Give STL Day, which is our 24-hour day of online giving for our community, where we raised $4.5 million for St. Louis nonprofits this year um, during a pandemic. So that was really, really exciting for us at the Community Foundation. Um, so yeah, that's about it. So when we started our rebrand process, we had some strategic goals in mind about what we wanted the what we wanted the community foundation to represent in the community. We really were talking a lot about what it meant for St. Louis and what that was what that meant for our community. And what we talked a lot about was building a future and a foundation for um, a foundation for the future of St. Louis. And we talked about establishing an, an endowment. And what we realized was that the St. Louis community, just in general. Um, we did not have a huge endowment. The Community Foundation, although we've been around for over 100 years, our endowment is about $70 million, $71 million um, over the course of 100 years. Can you believe that? 
Um, but what we're doing right now is that we actually are um, going through some research right now and doing an endowment landscape report that will be re released in the fall of 2020, where we're looking at different sister cities and our nonprofits who have the biggest endowments here in St. Louis. And so we're using that to really think about how we can position ourselves to be a foundation to be able to be able to support different and various initiatives throughout the St. Louis region when, when the community needs arise, whether that's civil unrest, racial justice issues, educational systems change, policy change. Um, in addition to that, we are definitely looking at how we can attract more donors of color. We are a community foundation. If you are familiar with histories of um, the community foundation world, um, we basically were a foundation founded by white men uh, with a lot of white donors to protect white, to protect white, uh, white wealth and white privilege. We have no diversity amongst our donor staff, um, amongst our donors. We have maybe, uh, I can probably name two donors of ours that are uh, that identify as non-white. Um, but what we're really trying to do is really just trying to attract donors that can see themselves in the work and attract people who basically can want to give back and who want to help St. Louis. One thing that we really grappled with within this strategic plan and with all of just in general in these conversations amongst our staff was fear. There was this fear of wanting to bring our donors along and meeting them where they are and not necessarily trying to shift their mindset and shift them from being just, um, you know, a guide into implementation. So those are kind of the, the, the strategic plan and goals that we set out at the very beginning of this process. All right, so let's talk about this rebrand. Ooh, am I echoing? Okay. Um, so when we met the foundation, it was a few years ago and they came to us um, and they wanted a website redesign, um, which we were happy to do. But as we were doing that redesign, we kept bumping up against the constraints of their current brand, which in reality was simply a mark and a color. And then there was one additional color that was kind of kind of hung around, um, but there really wasn't a system. So as we designed the site, you know, as agencies do, we sort of complained a little bit about this, you know, and talked about could we, could we think about refreshing the brand? Um, and we were told, no, don't change the logo. We like our logo. Um, we are gonna stick with it. So um, let me share with you what that logo was. Okay, so um, their logo was a rendering of a statue of St. Louis, who is the namesake of our city. That's right, it was a rendering of a statue of a white savior on a horse with a sword. Um, so when we designed the website, we minimized the use of the logo um, originally. We used the main color. Um, we brought in a few additional complementary colors, but very sparingly. What I'm showing you on your screen right now um, is um, a document that one of our senior designers made up just to express the frustration um, with the mark. And, and you'll see in there that there are some things that are mechanical, the size relationship of the mark to the type, um, the color doesn't feel dynamic and digital, um, but we've also got, you know, conveying a message of a white knight. Um, and um, the fact that this really wasn't a system and the fact that this mark really did not stand for all people. Just a few other examples of um, some of the brand materials that they had. Um, there was a secondary palette um, that consisted of one color. So that really wasn't very um, flexible either. And you know what they came to us and asked for was our help in creating um, just a set of materials that were flexible and some guidelines. Um, so once we finished with the website, about a year later, um, Neosha reached out and said, hey, um, we're, we want to do a brand refresh. Do you have anything else to add here, Neosha, about how we got yeah, here? Yeah, absolutely. So okay. when we decided to do this branding and this refresh, um, what was really that stroke that striked me um, really was a lot was, I was really hard to get excited about the, the, the logo and the brand. Um, our website was completely outdated. Um, everything was outdated. We also were working with three different types of uh, graphic designers and consultants. So the person who actually designed the actual logo was actually a local artist. Um, and he uh, was very tied to this to this this look, this feel, this this notion of St. Louis and on this St. Louis on this statue. Then we also worked with another, um, basically a messaging, it's the company, I don't want to put their name out there, but we worked with them to develop this, this very intensive graphic, if you see, that has the arch on there. 
Um, it was very busy. Um, one thing that we definitely struggle with at the Community Foundation is what we do, what we do and why we do it and who do we serve because we have so many audiences. So that company tried their best to really help us figure out who our target, target audiences were and what we were represent, representing of. And then on the far left, what you see the live here, give here, we worked with another designer um, who, I guess, I guess we couldn't get it right the first two times, um, worked with another designer to figure out, well, what does this really mean when we talk about live here, give here in St. Louis? Um, and so there was just no real streamlined process for some of these designs. And these were things that I inherited that I had to dissect and try to figure out what we were gonna do with them. Um, the other thing that I did not particularly like so much was the color aspect. It was a red, white, and blue, and again, this random reddish, orangish something. Um, I'm not really sure, but it really depicted this, in my opinion, this political white hierarchy of infrastructure of what it, what it felt like. And I think if you're familiar with any of the history around St. Louis, um, there's a lot of racial tension here. And the reality of it is there's a lot of money tied up in a lot of white wealth here in St. Louis. And so if we wanted to be able to move forward and be able to tell stories and talk about the good works that we were doing, we definitely had to figure out how we were gonna do that because when I was going to our staff to talk about stories and what we were doing, um, a lot of it was the donor trying to save the young, the, the young black poor kid, or you know, that was kind of the narrative. And I didn't, I couldn't genuinely, as a black woman, I could not genuinely put that story out there because I didn't want to make it seem like these young black kids or these people, these kids of color or these families of color needed an, another white knight to come in and save them. So we really had to have some really hard and genuine conversations with our staff and our team about what it was that we were trying to convey, how we were gonna put equity at the forefront of that. And really not only just what we wanted to represent, but Almanac really helped us figure out what our brand was gonna be representative of. And so that, that process was really exciting for me personally as a marketer, um, but it was very challenging for our staff to kind of get on board with that. Yes, um, agreed to, on all of those things. And also I would say what you see in front of you is a lot of work um, to express what the foundation did. And the missing piece was the why, and that's what we decided to work on. And that's what we always focus on whenever we talk about brands. Um, so just knitting together the, the different things that we've shared with you so far, as we were um, embarking on this brand development process, the foundation itself was also going through a process of shifting from implementer to guide. So there were some things happening alongside. So there are conversations happening in different places and among different groups um, that really were kind of coalescing around this brand change. Um, so I'm sharing here the, the brand process that we use at Almanac, and you'll see up in the corner um, it says change process, and that's because we really believe that all marketing is change. So whether you're shifting to a new audience, creating a new website, um, or developing a new brand, you are um, asking human beings to change the way that they interact with you in some way. Um, and as most of you know, a change process, while it can be exciting, um, it can also be nerve wracking. It can also um, feel not good um, and it can also be contentious. So we just like to um, start out talking with our clients about being ready for this work and what that looks like. So the readiness phase um, is where we try to have lots of conversations with all different voices, with all different audiences um, who make up an organization and so we do start with internal teams um, and then we also talk with external teams um, partners donors funders um, we talked with partner nonprofit organizations when we were working with the community foundation and the point there is to get lots of voices to get lots of diverse voices um, to be heard and to really understand to get a full um, comprehensive view of how your organization is thought of by all the people that you work with. So the first um, real deliverable, I guess, from this brand work with the foundation was to develop a positioning statement. And this is not your mission. So your mission um, should stay true, that the mission is what you are here to do. Your brand positioning statement is um, the unique space that you occupy in the hearts and minds of your target audiences. So what do you want people to think after any interaction with you? Um, and this positioning statement 
seems very simple, but there were some tough conversations had around this positioning statement. So the St. Louis Community Foundation promotes and inspires charitable giving in the St. Louis region. What's not in this statement is just for our donors, just for people who have enough money to um, start a donor advised fund. Um, this statement means that the Community Foundation is working for everyone. Um, and so there were definitely some conversations around this, but like I said, there were um, adjacent conversations going on about shifting the role from um, implementer to guide. And so those two came together nicely and we found agreement on this statement. Is there anything you would add to that, Neosha? Yes, um, I think also to our, our team um, working in nonprofit work, we always really go back to our mission. And so our team was having a really hard time understanding the difference between the brand positioning statement versus our mission statement. And so there was a lot of conversation around how does how do we make this different or how does this really tie into what we're doing and that's exactly what angie just alluded to around the brand positioning statement positioning us to do the work whereas our mission is actually what we're leading out in our day-to-day -day activities and so we use this uh, positioning statement because it can change um, and it did change um, as we continued to go through our process but it definitely sparked a lot of conversation and so what i also learned too throughout this process was a educating our donors, or not our donors, I'm sorry, educating our staff members around what some of these terms and key messages were so that they could definitely understand what it was that we were trying to do and what we were trying to accomplish. All right, so um, we did, in the end, change the logo. We um, changed to another symbol of St. Louis, the arch, and so one of our creative directors said they couldn't believe we were actually gonna put another Arch logo out there, but we really believe that, that this mark symbolizes everyone in the St. Louis uh, region and it symbolizes the Community Foundation's work. You'll see um, the darker leg on the Arch. Um, that stands for all the work that has happened before because it was important to honor the work that the Community Foundation has been doing for 100 years in St. Louis. Um, but the lines are a blueprint for the future. The lines are the way that the Community Foundation will be able to cast a vision for the future of St. Louis um, and really lead in that effort. Um, the overall concept was called a foundation for the future. And so we, we stuck with that construct as we started thinking about what kind of language do we use when we talk about the Community Foundation in, in its brand. Um, we found this typeface that in, um, carries the outline idea further. Um, and so you can see that the construct here is where we're starting and where we're going. So um, from smarter to stronger, from greener to cleaner, um, just acknowledging the good work that's already been done, and then also acknowledging that there's more work to be done. Neosha, feel free to hop in here anytime. Um, we also, what I really enjoyed and thought about this whole process was that the, the logo had so many layers to it. So on our logo, there is this, this vision casting. So if you notice on the logo, not only do we have that foundation um, that represents St. Louis, but the next part of it is casting for the future of what we see um, as a vision for um, the future of our community. And so that's what's depicted on these next screens, um, these next slides that uh, Angie will walk through. Yeah, so we also, a part of the brand is also um, this sort of outline. So it's picked up in the typeface and in the blueprint idea from the logo. Um, and that's where the foundation can cast a vision. So um, where, you know, we see these kids graduating. We see these kids going on to lots of success. Um, we see our community, we do have um, lots of areas that um, need to be revitalized, neighborhoods that need to be revitalized. So let's look at what's there, but let's cast a vision for where we could be. These are actual photos. Um, that's an actual building in St. Louis um, in the city. Um, and that's actually um, some students from a local early childhood um, development center that we um, have granted to. Yeah, and so that, that was another shift for the foundation to um, make sure that images were also um, a key part of telling the story and just being intentional about those images. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that all people in St. Louis could see themselves being involved with the Community Foundation. Um, historically, there were images centered of donors who were white um, and then folks being served who were non-white. Um, and so we wanted to tell a more full story of St. Louis and of the way that the Community Foundation can work with um, the community. And so making sure that we were showing all kinds of people um, participating in all kinds of ways. 
And one thing I can say too is, um, you know, these are actual, like I said, actual uh, nonprofits that we've served and being very intentional of what, who we're photographing and where we're putting them is very important, but also not taking away the fact that we do recognize that our donors, our current donors need to also see themselves in the work that we're doing. So a lot of the communication and the imagery and the graphics that we're creating is we're really trying to move people forward along this path with us. And so um, it's been very, very interesting to see what we can come up with when we really think about how, we, how we're trying to position the community foundation and community, and when we have those conversations with donors about their charitable passions. just a few more examples of how the brand came to life. Um, on the far right there, we did get to redesign that website. So um, being able to use the vision casting parts of the brand was great. Um, the complimentary colors came in and we did some community foundation swag. So just this idea that the work of the foundation should be accessible to all kinds of people um, and kind of starting to break down that wall around the community foundation that had made it seem um, really like an exclusive club that was only for a few people. Um, and this is the invitation that we did to the annual open house that the Community Foundation always holds. Um, we were going to, and we did, um, reveal the new brand at that event. So we used all the brand elements here except for the logo. So this kind of um, gives you an idea of how, you know, a brand is more than a logo. It can function without that mark. Mm -hmm. And one thing, um, this was really exciting for our team because we were used to doing the standard five by seven invitation um, and it was very uh, artsy in that regard, but also what we did find was that we had more people who could not attend actually RSVP, RSVP no to us um, because they felt like the invitation actually was a lot more fancier and they felt like, oh, well, we probably should let them know if we can't come. So um, the invitation was actually very, very nice and it was very different. Um, if um, Inclusive in that was a couple different pages. There was a message from our CEO. There was um, a map in there around like our impact areas and the counties that we serve and just some information and some new of the, the new branding and materials that um, the wording and things like that that was actually in the actual uh, invitation, which actually um, this whole idea of being together so we can have a stronger St. Louis was really, really well received. So just a few more examples of the way the brand started coming to life and the way that we started to really focus on that participatory part of the brand. Um, at that open house, we had giant signs up with questions about, you know, what do you love about St. Louis and what's your vision for the future of St. Louis? Um, and then we had stickers where folks could write their thoughts and their answers and put them up so other people could see um, what people were thinking and how they felt. And it might seem like a small thing, but um, folks were not used to really thinking about those things and talking about those things under the guidance of the Community Foundation. So it was a step towards um, the foundation's shift to becoming a guide. All right, so building support. Let's talk a little bit about the conversations that we had around um, changes. Um, when we first proposed um, changing the mark, the internal team said, we love everything about this brand. We love the colors. We love the language. You've really, you know, you've really captured where we want to go. Just don't want to change that logo. And these are all the reasons why. Our donors love our logo. Um, it was just so hard. It was so messy. Um, and, you know, our logo really says St. Louis. So, as an outside agency, that was an opportunity for us really to bring a different perspective and say, um, these are the things that you like to tell yourselves because this makes the logo seem okay. Um, but here's how it looks to someone from the outside looking in. We also really made an effort to intentionally listen to those um, reasons because those feel very real to the people who are saying them. Um, and so having conversation around that, not just saying, can't believe you would say that. We're gonna, we're gonna change the logo. That's not the way to go. Um, it wasn't the way to work with this crew. And we did, you know, we did intentionally have those conversations and we said, look, this is your choice. You can choose to not move ahead in this way, um, but here's why we recommend that you do. Um, and here's how we think, you know, here's the change that we think that would make. And so what um, I was dealing with internally um, that Angie did not get to see from behind the scenes was that we've had, okay, so at the foundation, we have a lot of uh, staff who's been at the foundation for 
10, 15, 20 plus years. So we have some really, really people, like some real dedicated people to this work and that really, you know, change is hard, right? Um, and so a lot of them were just afraid of changing the logo, like Angie indicated. It just took too long last time when they were just designing this logo. It took them over a year and a half to actually to, to, to figure something out, what they were going to do. Too many edits, too many opinions, just too much of all the things. And so what it really came down to was me saying, let's trust the process. We hired an agency. We have Almanac on our team to help us really move us forward. Let's see what they come up with and not completely shoot them down. Um, because that was easier, um, easier said than done. Um, I, even the CEO even went so far as to show me the last five um, editions of the logo. Some look like clip art, some look like drawings. Um, it was very interesting to see where we had started uh, about five or seven years ago to where we ended up now. And so it was just a very fearful, fearful process because when you think of changing the logo, that's like we have to change everything. But when you're being intentional about changing the logo to move you forward and creating a positioning statement that allows you to be able to maneuver, it's not as bad as it may seem. And that was the conversation that I had to really come together with the staff to let them trust the process, trust me in the process, but also trust the Almanac to lead us through this change. Right, and in those conversations, we just came back time and time again to the shift from implementer to guide and to that positioning statement that we'd all agreed on. And uh, Neosha did really work hard on building that support. So I'm gonna let her talk about just some things that she learned about building support for change here. So what I did, um, the very first thing, um, our CEO is very tied to our brand. She's not a marketer. She's definitely a financial person um, in previous life, but she really, really honed in on the marketing aspect of the foundation because before I came along, again, we did not have an internal communications team. We worked with several different consultants and when you do that, you get varying opinions of what you should be doing. And so again, I had to listen a lot uh, to past experiences, to past fears. Um, one of the fears was we just spent a lot of money on this, like branding and marketing is so expensive. Um, so that was one thing. We also had to understand where our leadership was seven years ago when we first started. Um, uh, when my, the current CEO came on board, we were just in a very different phase of leadership. Our previous leadership was really about the financial aspect of getting more funds and more donors through the door, which is very important for a foundation. But then when Amelia came, in, came on board, she really was trying to figure out how to put community back in community. And so that was really, really something that was important to her. So that was something that also led through the conversations. We also did a lot of um, revisiting of not only the past, but we engaged our stakeholders. We engaged some of our donors and professional advisors around what they thought the community foundation meant, meant for them. And then once we were able to get a lot of that feedback, we were able to make the case as to why we needed to make the change. And then after a while, what we were able to do um, once Almanac came back with their vision and what this whole idea and this concept was, it was actually it was actually well, more well received than I had anticipated because let me tell you, it was a painful process. <laughs> um, I had to keep calling um, Angie and just, you know, get some support from her and just say, just keep at it like you're doing great. Um, and then they were doing their job. They were pushing us to think differently and to not just fall into complacency, which is what we have been doing for the last five to seven years. So one of the ways that we supported Neosha was um, giving her talking points, giving her um, anything that we could to help her communicate not only to um, her internal team but also to the board um, about why this decision should be made and why it was the right decision. So this is just an example of um, a document that we shared with her. Okay, um, so yay, the brand was approved. Uh, the staff are <laughs> on board, the board approved it, this is great. Um, this was the end of 2019. We said, great, you know, looking forward to 2020. We're just going to see how this brand comes to life. Can't wait to see how it, you know, comes to life out there in the community and, and what it can really do for you. Uh, 2020 had other plans for us. So first came COVID. And then came the murder of George Floyd and unrest came back to our city. So once we, we were really excited at the end of 2019 because we had this new brand, the board presentation went well, everyone was on board with, on board with what we were trying to accomplish. 
we came up with an entire marketing plan for the year of 2020. And as Angie indicated, COVID hit and then George Floyd um, was murdered. Now, if you remember about seven or eight years ago, um, Michael Brown was also shot and killed here in St. Louis. And so this actually was something that St. Louis had seen before, just in a different capacity. Um, this was something that really triggered not only me personally, but I think a lot of our staff and our and just our community in general. And so what what was difficult during this time was that the Community Foundation had not really made a stake in the ground around equity about what we were going to do. Our brand was just there. It was there. It was visual. It was captivating. But we hadn't made any type of public statement to say that racial equity is, is important. Racial equity matters. Black lives matter. People matter. We didn't humanize some of that in our just in our immediate messaging. And so what we had to do at that particular time, we had a um, staff conversation around what we were going to do. And me personally, being a black woman, a young black woman leading the marketing for a traditionally and historically white organization is very challenging at times because you want to be genuine, but you also want to make sure that, you know, that you're not only just bringing donors along, but you run this risk. And this is what our, our executive team always talks about is donors leaving. You know, and you have to kind of weigh it. What's important at this point? Where do you value? What is your mission? What do you want to, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? And so I really had to think about what it was and how was the community foundation going to be positioned in during this moment. And so I went back to the drawing board and I had to have real conversations with our CEO. I had to ask her, this was not a, a place for talking points. This was not a time for me feeding her the right language. It was a real conversation between her and I. And I said, what do you think about this? How do you feel right now in this moment? What is wrong with, um, you know, what's going on in our community? You know, what can we do? And it got quiet because, you know, we were all in shock. We just didn't, you know, we, we hadn't thought in that way before. You know, we always thought like we have a donor, we can throw some money at it. But in this particular moment, that wasn't the answer. And so what we did was I sat down and, and kind of crafted out a message, um, crafted out a message around what it was that we were going to do and how we were going to do it. We were going to make a public, a public announcement around making equity at the forefront of the work that we're doing. It had always been there. We were just afraid to say it. So when Michael, um, I'm sorry, when George Floyd was, uh, was shot and uh, was killed, uh, we came up with a message. And what we did was we put out the message and we actually got a lot of pushback, some pushback from our donors around them feeling as though we were telling them what we were gonna do. Um, that message is on our website if you wanna check it out on our blog. Um, but some donors felt like we couldn't tell them what to do with their money because when they come to us, that's really what it is. We, we don't tell them what to do. We help advise them. So that's kind of the language we had to use to kind of continue like, no, we're not saying you have to give to organizations that only focus on racial equity, but we want to help you prioritize and bring that to the forefront because disproportionately people of color, black people's lives have been at stake for years. And so we really had to really just center ourselves and really put people at the forefront of what we were trying to accomplish during this time. Earlier, whenever I talked about um, that their old mark had been a rendering of a statue, well, here's, here's the statue. Um, the statue of St. Louis that sits in front of the St. Louis Art Museum um, was also the site of many protests um, over the, the last summer. And I think that, you know, for us, as we sat back as an agency in support of the Community Foundation, um, we realized the hard, constant emotional labor that Neosha was having to do as the communications lead. Um, and so as I think about all of you out there leading communications in your organizations, um, you've been asked to do things. I know Neosha was asked to do things that were not in her job description. Um, and she showed up every day and she did it with a lot of heart. Um, and with, with just that, you know, presence of mind and intentionality about making the change. Um, and I think that she just intrinsically understood um, what James Baldwin is talking about here, that, you know, not everything that's faced can be changed, but nothing's going to change till we face it. And she led that charge. And here's how. Yeah, so thank you, Angie. That's really, and when I when she first showed me that, I was like, oh, I got really emotional about it. Because this has been difficult. It's been challenging, um, not only just a rebrand, but when you start putting like race and things that people just don't want to talk about at the forefront of things, um, it makes it very difficult. So we started to have basically really tough conversations internally with our staff. Um, I am now on the, somehow I just am now the internal lead for equity around at the foundation. I am not the diversity, equity, inclusion officer by any means. We are working through some of those processes now. 
Um, but we are basically really working with our team to really figure out how can we change the narrative of what we're trying to do? How can we tell our story better? Um, but it wasn't easy. People were very, people pushed back. People got quiet. There was people who were having physical reactions. Now, mind you, we're all on Zoom. Um, and so it's interesting how you can see what people's facial reactions are um, on the video. So if you do want to show a facial reaction, you might want to turn your video off. <laughs> Um, so it's it's just been very interesting to see how our how our staff has actually um, come come to come to terms with this. A lot of justification on why we did what we did, but not necessarily trying to figure out like this is why we did it, but why do we need to change it? So we had to have a lot of those conversations, and right now we're doing a lot of internal like internal um, assessment uh, to figure out how we can continue to put equity at the forefront of the work that we're doing, not just in our branding but literally like live and breathe what we're doing on a day to day and bringing our donors along and what we're doing in our internal practices. Um, so that's been very important, but it has been very difficult, difficult conversations. And I would say I've, I've had conversations with Neosha after some of those difficult conversations. And um, the thing to know is that this is, this is work. This is the work that I've chosen, Neosha's chosen, that you all have chosen as communicators but it has to be personal and it has to be emotional, I believe. So then what we did here was once um, COVID um, happened and we had all of these, um, the COVID hit and then we had the George Floyd incident. Um, what we did was, this is a time when I think the Community Foundation really had an opportunity to shine. Um, what is historical is that the Community Foundation um, has been around for over a hundred years, but there has been a lot of, in St. Louis, if you're familiar with us, in this area, we just tend to don't play well in the sandbox. There's thousands and thousands of nonprofits here and people will go out on their own to do things. But what we did was we rallied together and we were able to get over 200 plus um, funders to actually donate money into the one fund so that we could actually put together um, an actual uh, regional response fund. And we were able to make uh, grant money out to, um, to nonprofits in the community that actually needed, that had racial equity as a priority and as a focus, because as you know, um, the data has shown that African-Americans in the, Latin, the Latinx population has been disproportionately hit by COVID. So this piece is actually something that we wanted to send to donors to kind of show what we were doing and what we did. We've raised $6.7 million to date um, and counting uh, for COVID reliefs. And we've had six rounds of responsive grants to support um, crisis response, homebound. We bought cloth masks for the community, eviction prevention. And then we're continuing to figure out what those immediate needs are as the time goes on. In addition to that, we also are working with um, another organization called Forward Through Ferguson. Uh, Forward Through Ferguson is a local nonprofit that actually was after the killing and shooting of Mike Brown. They actually have created the actual system and the policy handbook to basically say, St. Louis, this is what the community needs to do to be able to move towards racial equity um, and to stop um, and dismantle injustice. And there's 189 calls to action in this document. It was formed by the, uh, the commission was formed by the local governor. Um, and put together, it was, it's been a combination of community members um, and um, stakeholders and just people in community. Um, really, it, and they, ha they have the blueprint and we're really, we're following that. We, right now, the way that we're also talking about how to be more equitable for um, our region and our donors is we're reviewing our discretionary funding ability and our capability. As I mentioned before, we don't have a huge endowment. So every dollar that we get to spend or that we have to spend is accounted for. My marketing budget, I have to spend down to the exact cent. Um, in terms of what we can use money for and what we can't use money for. Um, we also want to continue to provide financial support for some of the initiatives that we support. We do have local initiatives and nonprofits that have spun out of the Community Foundation or that were created of the Community Foundation, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, another thing that we really had to focus on, too, was our board and staff develop leadership development. Um, our board tends to be a little handoff. I'm not sure if that's the same for other community foundations. Um, but it's a lot of financial folks on the board and some of them, this is just not in their purview either. So we're asking them to be able to commit to doing racial equity and diversity training throughout the year that we are willing to pay for as part of, as part of our commitment to racial equity. I am working with our CEO to do regular board communications to the board around what we're doing. Um, currently, we're going through a racial equity and, um, assessment right now where we're going to actually assess our internal practices around what we're doing. And then we're also working on a donor curriculum. So we're really focusing on how to educate our donors. How can donors see themselves in this work? 
Um, we're working on a speaker series right now to figure out who we can bring in from other community foundations, other uh, donors who have done some of this work, um, and then just really trying to build out a series of educational events to support that, which is something that we have not done very well in the past. And then after we do all of this, because we have so much that we're trying to do at one point, um, we're going to actually use a lot of the information and data that we get forward through Ferguson, this capacity assessment, and to actually have a facilitated strategic planning session in 2021. So that's an actual key component of our budget that we're trying to make sure that we include for our next step of planning. So in addition to our racial equity uh, commitment, these are some of the things, uh, initiatives and programs that actually support that commitment that we, that we actually have been a part of or funded um, in the past. Um, but we don't do a good job of talking about ourselves. That was one thing that I noticed when we first started, when I first started doing this work, we do all this great work in community, but nobody knew about it. Nobody knew that we were responsible for working with St. Louis Graduates, which is a, a, local, um, a local initiative with funders and educators from across, the, uh, from across Missouri to help um, the high school to graduation completion rate increase over the years and to help black students actually get their degrees and, um, and go to college or post-secondary college. Um, Invest SCL is a local community development initiative that's focusing on reestablishing and rebuilding neighborhoods. We made a commitment to the Racial Healing and Justice Fund of $150,000 that was just made this year at the wake of uh, George Floyd, where that's a community-funded initiative. People in the community are making those grant decisions and where those monies, where that money is going, which is very different than what we're used to as funders. We want outcomes. We want measurable outcomes. We want data. Um, this is a different type of approach to grant making. We also are doing scholarships. We've awarded 9.2 million uh, to date um, in 2020. And then again, we do give STL Day, which is our community initiative to give back to our local region and our local nonprofits. All right, so, okay, so. as we acknowledge that um, there's been a lot of good work already done and we acknowledge that there's a lot of good work that still needs to be done, um, we do have a few key takeaways that we wanted to share with you. My number one advice um, throughout this um, equity work, your branding, just everything that you're working on, find your allies. Find people who know what you're trying to accomplish, who know what your goals are, who know exactly what it is that you're trying to accomplish and who can support you. Because not only when you're doing this racial equity work, it's exhausting and it's, it's we have not arrived and you will not arrive. Like if we have arrived, we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? And so find people that you can support, that you can lean on, that you can call when you're having a hard day or when you can just call and just, sometimes I just call Angie and she doesn't talk to me. I just rant for like 20 minutes and then I'm like, whew, I needed that, right? Um, so find people who really support you and want to see, see the work that you're doing continue to evolve and grow. And then talk about ideas, not people. It's very easy in an organization to talk about who said what or who's doing what or why does so-and-so do this, but talk about ideas and concepts. Um, and then just recognize that the work is going to be hard and it's going to be very, very exhausting because one, in a rebrand process, everyone's a marketer, everyone can rebrand, everyone wants to be a designer. Um, but we realized too that at that particular time, we hired the, the staff for a reason. Um, and, and same thing with the equity work, it's, it's exhausting and don't, um, don't always think that your internal staff has to be the one that's leading the charge for some of these, these hard conversations. Um, and then just be willing to challenge the status quo. Um, I've gotten very, a lot more comfortable um, in my own self and in, in this phase of leadership now that I have at the community foundation where I can actually ask some of those hard questions and people not give me like the side eye, like, did she really just ask that? But I always lead with, this is coming from a good place and I wanna be the one to just bring this up because it's on my mind, but what do you think about this? Um, so for example, just this, just yesterday, we were having a conversation around a speaker series and everyone they mentioned on the panel um, were men and they were, there was one black man and, and there was a woman. And I said, well, we need to have a white man, a white woman, a black man. We need representation because we need our donors to see themselves in this conversation. So don't be afraid to have those conversations. Um, also, ensure that your people of color are not the ones leading the change. We get exhausted. Like it's hard to explain why it is we have to feel this way or why we have to assimilate to certain things in culture and things like that. And it can be very exhausting. And some people just won't speak up and some people just don't want to, and that's okay. So respect that and have some grace and space for those types of things. Um, and then this last thing I got from um, a really good friend of mine, just to be really aggressively patient uh, with a rebrand, 
with equity, with anything that is really putting humans and emotions at the heart of things, just be really patient and listen. If that's one thing I think I've done, I've become, I have become the listener of people's emotions, right? Like you're a communicator, we talk a lot, but what I've really come to do is like come to realize is that I am, I am holding everyone's emotions and I'm, you know, bringing them along and helping them understand. So I just want to make sure that, you know, you understand that your job is probably the most important job at the foundation at, at your, at your job, at, at your institution. You are, you are the person that people need to be able to communicate with and listen to. So don't give up on that. All right. And then just a few <laughs> takeaways about successful branding. Um, so understand that your brand is more than your logo. It is a system, but your logo is key. Um, if you're going through a process like this, you can always, anytime, start talking to all audiences. Make sure you're getting lots of perspectives. Um, make sure that you're hearing from all the people who are touched by your work. Um, one of the things that we say and that we believe um, is that people believe in what they help create. So give people a chance to say the things that maybe you don't want to hear. Um, it goes a long way. Trust your gut. Um, that is key, I think. And that's where, we, that's where all this started. You know, sometimes you might feel like, oh, we, we shouldn't say that. That doesn't feel good. But if sometimes if, if our words, we can't fit them into like a rubric or a logic model, um, it feels like we shouldn't bring it up or maybe it's not something that the team should consider. Um, and I think that's just the opposite. You have to trust your gut in these kinds of situations. Um, if it feels to you like it's heading in the wrong direction, speak up, like Neosha said. Um, your brand can and should be aspirational and visionary. Um, it gives you something to shoot for, right? Think about who you want to be in the world. Um, and then think about how you can reasonably and realistically bring people along. Develop the framework that you want to live in. Cast your vision and then um, think about how you can communicate that to everyone around you. And then finally, remember that your team members are going to be the ultimate brand ambassadors. You have to bring them along. Um, and so sometimes when we start this work and we're going to do a facilitated discussion with a team, um, I'll have a client say to me, ooh, we don't want this person in there. Uh, they don't believe in this work. They don't want to do it. Um, and I always say, no, those are the people we want. Those are the people we want in these conversations because we need to hear it. Um, we can't just you know, go about thinking that, that we've got all the right answers. We need to hear where everyone's coming from and we need to acknowledge that. So as we said, um, the work is ongoing. Um, there is a new marketing plan. Neosha mentioned that we had a lovely marketing plan for 2020, um, which we have abandoned. And there is a new marketing plan um, that is focused on um, new audiences, new opportunities, um, new ways to give. And the foundation itself is doing more, Neosha. So we really are, uh, like I said, there's a, there's a, those are the immediate things that we did that I mentioned before, but we're really trying to figure out how can we take action on racial justice and inequity issues. Uh, the Deaconess Foundation that's locally here in St. Louis, they are really the ones that have been at the forefront of a lot of this work. And we recognize that the foundation is not the end all be all for where a racial equity fund per se should be held. And so that was a big conversation in our community of like, well, who's going to host this fund? And so what we're doing is we're really trying to make sure that we're around the table and having a lot of those conversations and being at the forefront of it. Um, we're also doing, like I said, access to the board, board involvement and development. Um, and then we're also taking a, a, a look at leadership roles at the foundation and the just in racial justice and inequity work and just in general, um, trying to figure out where those things are, where can we plug in. Um, and as um, Angie alluded to in the last, um, last slide is you have to bring donors along who are resistant to change. Um, and you have to prep your staff and have your staff comfortable enough to be able to have some of those conversations as well, because everyone is stepping out of their comfort zones at this time and at this point. And then also too, once we went through this rebrand, like the team loved it, they ate it up. They were just so excited to talk about it. They, you know, once they could see how passionate you are about some of this work, it just, it just, it's infectious, it comes off. And so it makes it that much easier. So we are still doing more. It's not, we don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. And I tell you what, it's, it's a challenge every day, <laughs> but somehow I'm still making it and I have a great, a great support system of people around me that really want to see us to do the good, the good work that we're meant to be doing here. All right, so those, that's the end of the prepared slides that we have. I'm going to stop screen sharing and we can see if there are some questions to take. Hey, everybody. Um, 
I'm Tristan with the network. I recognize a lot of names on here. I'm just going to be helping Angie and Yosha with Q&A. So like I said, um, please submit your questions to the Q&A function. And for any brave souls, raise your hand and I will promote you to a co-presenter so you can be on camera, which we found makes for a pretty rich discussion. Um, so I don't see any hands raised yet, Angie and Yosha. So let's take the first question. Um, oh, we have one person. So I will promote you, Carrie, while I ask this question. Oh, the first question was actually the person I just promoted. So let's wait a second until she gets on screen. Hi. I was on mute. Hi. Hi. Hello. Thank you all for this. Um, great. Should I just introduce myself? Or? Sure. Okay, I'm Kateri Whitley. I'm the Director of Communications for the Mind Trust, which is an education nonprofit in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, this was amazing. We are actually about to start the process of rebranding and redoing our website, and I'm really excited about it. Um, so this was great information. Um, so my question was, um, when you presented this to the board, what were they, what were they asking you? Um, and also, did you do anything ahead of that, like a, ahead of a formal presentation? Um, and then after that, what were they most excited about? So beforehand, um, we did a lot of prep, right? So we kept them updated at every board meeting about the process of what we were doing. So when we were going through, when we had our first identification process with um, Almanac, I walked them, they walked them through the six phases. Um, so every board meeting up until the point where Angie was, we were ready to prepare. I basically was preparing the board with different communications, right? Like, hey, take a look at this. Uh, the CEO would email things out. And then once I kind of got back to the point where we were ready to do the full presentation, um, they kind of had an idea a little bit of kind of what we were already doing. So they were prepared that we were actually going to go through a rebrand. Um, so when I got up um, at the staff meeting, I think I had, or the board meeting, I think I had about 10 or 15 minutes, not very long. Um, and I walked through basically uh, the presentation, which was probably 10 or 12 slides, and exactly pretty much what we showed you today, the rebrand, the website, the imagery, what we were trying to depict, explain the logo, the vision, the casting for the future, and everyone loved it. Surprisingly enough, like I could not even believe it. I didn't get any questions. The only question I got was from the president of Nestle Perina, um, and she's a marketer, and she said, well, that logo's a little tiny. Can you have them pick it up? I'm a little older. I can't see that far, right? And I was just like, is that it? Like, I can totally do that, right? Um, so it was, it was actually really well-received, but I do think that it was well-received because we were able to give them information along the process, and that's what I had to do with the staff. I couldn't just take what we were doing and just say, here, here it is. I had to make them feel like they were a part of the process. So part of it that I did not include was once we had the, the sample brand, I put it all up in the, on a bulletin board in the hallway, and then I let everybody come by and see it, and they wrote all their comments on it, what they liked, what they didn't like, because um, we had three different concepts. Um, and everyone picked the first concept, obviously, the one that we selected, and then I took all of that feedback, took it back to the team, some stuff we kept, some stuff we didn't, but I made them feel as, as though they were a part of the process because they were. So it was pretty, it was pretty a smooth transition, surprisingly enough, with the board. And I would say one other thing that we didn't touch on is um, as an agency, we at Almanac hate the big reveal. We just, it's just too much built into that one event. So as much as you can bring people along, it does, it really, the last thing you want to do is surprise people with this and say, oh, here it is. We figured it all out. Here's your new logo. Go ahead and use it. Um, people have to be a part of it. And I think that counts for the board as well. So part of our process was to do a facilitated discussion with the board very early on when we first started out. Um, so that would trigger everyone to know, hey, this is on the table. We're thinking about this. We also did one-on-one -on -one phone calls with quite a few board members just to get their take on things. So making sure that they knew this was happening. That's great. Thank you so much. I do. I love that idea of getting people. We'll have to figure out how to do that virtually if we aren't back in the office yet, but that's, that's a really good idea. All right. Um, we've got another question in the Q&A function here. This is from Lori. She said, that's so great. You are working to educate your donors. It's a journey after all, and a long one depending on the starting point. And think of the ripple effect as you expand their hearts and minds and they take that change into their circles. Uh, maybe that's yeah. not a question. <laughs> no. Nice comment. Thank yeah. you. Okay. So moving on to the next one then from Katie. Can you talk a little bit more about your tactics to engage non-white donors mm -hmm and what kind of results you have seen. Yes. You mentioned at the beginning, very few. 
So we are very early in this process of trying to figure out what that looks like because what we really have determined and figured out is that we had to be really good on internally first, right? Um, nothing is good. I always go back to this uh, notion that when I grew up, when I looked from my parents, my grandmother is like, what happens in the house stays in the house. You can't figure it out until you get your house together, right? So we're really trying to figure out internally what are those policies and practices and things like that that we can do to help make sure that we're on the right page of doing a lot of this equity work. But in the process of that, we're also thinking about donors too, and we've gotten some feedback around what donors want, want to hear from us. So about a year or two ago, we did a donor perception survey and um, we did, I think we had customized, we were able, it was like a big, a big survey that was went through a group, um, but we were able to customize a couple questions. And so one of the questions was, what do you want to know about from the Community Foundation? Because at this particular time, we weren't communicating very well. Like, we didn't have a communication strategy. Our communication strategy was placing ads in our local business journal. Um, and so we asked them what they wanted to hear about, and it was education, racial justice um, and equity issues, um, as well as like youth employment. And so what we've been trying to do um, since then is really plan um, different types of donors um, engagement speaker series, and then also getting our donors, um, paying for our donors to go through some of this like anti-bias, anti-racism types of trainings and making those things available to them. In addition to that, we're working with our board. Um, we're putting together a committee um, that's gonna be a working committee of the board as well as our staff to figure out some ideas around what we should and you know, what we could, could be doing um, to kind of help bring our donors along. That will also probably include some of our donors who are engaged in some of this work. So we're very new at a lot of this, but right now we're trying to just be very strategic about how we're going about doing it. Um, so we've sent a lot of communications. We've offered the anti-bias, anti-racism training. We've gotten, um, a, you know, we've gotten a little bit of um, insight into people who may be interested in that, but what we've realized is we think that virtually people may be more interested um, than actually physically having to come into um, the offices and actually have a, a sit down conversation. I think it's just more, you get a little bit more of privacy in your own home. Um, so we did that last year and it was, it was well received, but we wanna be able to dig a little bit deeper um, with our donors. So again, that's something that we're still learning and I'm open to ideas if people have suggestions on that. Thank you. Uh, next question is from Patty. Neosha, thank you for having the patience to see this project through and have those hard conversations. My question, how much work did you have to do just to explain the value of a rebranding internally and what the brand represents? Having gone through a similar exercise two years ago, I found I had to do a lot of brand speak translating. Yes. So for example, the brand positioning statement, that was something that the team just they just weren't really understanding because in their mind we have mission, vision, and values. Um, and so I did a lot of a lot of conversation around what that meant for the community foundation and how we talk about ourselves and how we're going to position ourselves in the in the community and in the market. And so I did a lot of I took away a lot of brand speak because realistically people don't they don't remember those key terms. They remember what you know what they can identify with. And so I talked, I gave a lot of examples around when you see a brand, what does it make you think of? What's the number one brand do you, do you follow? What makes you want to follow them? What do you, we are human and we are people. And brands, brands that have done that really, really well have figured that out. And so I asked, I asked a lot of questions around what do they find, think about in a brand? What do they, you know, what do you feel? What's, what's the emotions that you elicit when you want to purchase something? What makes you want to buy something? And I know we're all buying things now because they're all virtual on Amazon. I need to stay off Amazon Prime. Um, but so a lot of that I did have to kind of just filter through. And then I also did, I, I failed to mention this, I did a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations with staff. So I went around to um, not just our executive leadership team, but our support staff, everyone, and asked them what the brand represented to them, why they work here, how long they worked here, you know, why, what is it that draws them here? Because people have been at the foundation for years. Um, I've been there six years, but the, the person that's been there the longest has been there in 25 years. Um, first job out of college has stayed there forever. And I'm like, what has kept you here so long, right? And so it was a lot of that, that type of thing of like really trying to understand people um, and understand the work around, you know, what not only does our brand represent, but what do we want the community to see us as? Um, and I also want to just say, like, I don't have all the right answers. I can tell you this, like, it is hard. It's difficult. Some days it sucks. Um, and thank goodness that I was able to actually hire someone this year um, to help me throughout this process of just some of the day to day and kind of have some of these hard conversations. So she's been very, very helpful with that. 
um, but it, it, it can be challenging for sure. Um, all right, thanks. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're at four o'clock. I want to make sure we're respectful of Angie's and Yosha's time. We can go until 4.05 if that's okay with you both. Take a few more sure. questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 4.05 Eastern, that is. Okay. Thank you. Um, so Jill asks, oh, uh, we've got another panelist here. Let's see if we can unmute. Shari, can you unmute yourself? There you go. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. And see me. Hi, everyone. Hi. Um, I just bravo Neosha and um, to the Almanac team. Um, literally, as I'm following your presentation of slide by side, slide by side, I can identify with each and every one of them. We actually went through the exact same process. I'm, um, oh, by the way, I'm Sheree Gillens. I'm with the Inland Empire Community Foundation. That's our new name. We did an overhaul. Um, oh, wow. Name change, local name. color palette messaging i mean the entire work so <laughs> i'm just sitting here just admiring you know uh your presentation and all the great work that you've done um and um with the Inland empire community foundation we're in southern california we're about um an hour east of los angeles okay an idea of where we're located um just wanted to say congratulations bravo um my quick question was just you know how what were your plans to create and sustain awareness of the foundation's um brand and your equity work and your new messaging like mm -hmm. you know obviously you have to start internal um, yeah. and I can identify with everything you said you know you've got to have the staff and board all of mm -hmm. them first um, get their opinions we do the same thing we put up our uh, you know all the local the logo options and have people you know write mm -hmm. their comments on all of that so just externally <laughs> trust me i know exactly what you do. Yeah. Uh, it was a process and i was aggressively patient my god I was. <laughs> and just wanted to know externally right so now yeah. like we we rebranded for the people who don't know who we are and um right so it's really um finding a way to uh, we, we've been in the We've been in our region for almost 80 years, yet, you know, all of the, the research said no one knows who you are and what you do. Mm -hmm. so, we had the same issue. That was sort of the ugly truth. And um, so now externally taking that step, you know, toward reaching the, the, the folks that we want to talk to, like, mm -hmm. what were your plans or, or are you in the middle of plans of, you know, sort of, sort of advertising efforts or what? Yep. Yep, yep. So we work with, um, thank goodness, um, Almanac does like all the things. So we've yeah. worked with them to help us kind of think about strategy throughout the year. That's not yeah. just, um, you know, um, at, like that's just not the website, right? So we've created an integrated campaign. A lot of what we've been doing has been with, um, we've done a lot of digital advertising where we've done like Google things and trying to do things online digitally. Um, our social media presence, our um, anything that we've placed in um, like our local business journal, our local paper, um, we've done everything that we can externally to kind of keep and keep pushing that awareness forward. And what we trying to do um, realistically is change how we're branded out in community. So I stopped saying this notion that nobody knew who we were. Um, yeah. I started talking about like, we've been around for a hundred years, you didn't know, right? right? There you go. <laughs> uh, but also diversifying, diversifying where we show up in community and really thinking about the different audiences that we're trying to reach. We would traditionally advertise to the health, the wealthy white donor in like the Ladue News or just the very high, you know, the corridor of the high net worth. Yeah. Um, and so we've just expanded that out to community now and really tried to find things that are happening grassroots on community. So for example, with our Give STL Day, that is a grassroots effort of like nonprofits getting together and trying to raise money on their day. We brand it out and we do advertising on buses, on bus shelters. I do things um, on the digital space. We've done things on the like Pandora radio, iHeartRadio, the local radio stations that really put people at the forefront of everything, but right. still but still making sure that we're not isolating ourselves because we do need the donors. We still need the donors to come in Absolutely. that have the funds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're also taking a look at our point of entry for funds to, to start a fund at the foundation. It's about $10,000. We're trying to figure out to be more equitable. How can we lower that to give the point of entry for people to come into the, the foundation so they can understand yeah. how they oh, work. Yeah. That's good. And so it's it's really like it's a comprehensive strategy, but it's not it's not a one answer. And I know what one thing that I can like I take from my leadership 
is that they re they recognize that it's not going to be one answer fits all. So I'm, I'm able to kind of play around a little bit with moving dollars here to do certain different things. Um, and I can show you something just today, and maybe we can send it out later. But just today, there was um, there was an ad in the in the local business journal with one of our younger donors who started a fund who owns a local team, and you know. We, we're putting we're putting people at the forefront of you know what what we're doing so it just yeah. it just looks different right, right. Um, so it's not the traditional it's just not our traditional way of doing things and that's what I'm really trying to get out of and no one knows it's me behind the scenes doing some of this work so it's even better because mm -hmm. I'm like ghostly behind <laughs> but yeah so I mean it's just you, you kind of got to test things out and be okay right. that everything is not going to have a clear-cut measurable outcome thank you yeah Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm sorry, there were more questions. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, unfortunately, we're gonna have to wrap here, everybody. Um, what I can do is uh, I'll capture these questions and um, I can find everybody's email address, I think, and send them over to Neosha and Angie to answer after the fact if they're cool doing yeah. that. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah, and our um, our email addresses are, I think, in on the last page of our presentation. So if you have access to those, um, slides, our email addresses are in there and you can feel free to reach out to us there. Great. Well, huge thanks to both Neosha and Angie. That was awesome. Really appreciate their time. Thank you to everybody who joined and uh, we've got our last keynote coming up. So I'll see you there. All right. Thanks everybody. Thank Bye. you.